it's not often that we put a disclaimer at the front of the podcast, but on this episode, there are explicit bird sounds that may be unsettling to people's pets, including Jenny Butler's cats. So if you are listening to this podcast, you may want to do it away from the ears of feline creatures. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to episode 1249 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It is Monday, January 22nd. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing well. It's uh, a beautiful day that's not raining. It's actually not a beautiful day. It's a really ugly day, that, but it's not raining here. But it's not raining. Yeah, I was telling you before we started the podcast that uh, my uh, my office, which is an outdoor tough shed um, that I've converted into an office, uh, that has been that was nicknamed the Mason Murder Mansion by Joe Pizapia, um, <laughs> is no longer a murder mansion. It is a castle because it is a moat or it has a moat going around it right now because there's been so much rain that uh, every spot in my backyard is filled with water. The Mason Murder Mansion plus moat. <laughs> Done. I figured it out. I got yeah. it. So yeah. we're going with that. So you sent the rain over here, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's I kind of get away from me somehow. I mean, it, it was... has been pouring since last night. All night poured, raining this morning. In fact, I, I think it just died down a little bit. So, um, I think I've talked about this on the show before. Charlotte, no interest in going out. She will wait until the last second. Her bladder has to be exploding, and she'll finally go out. Henry will be a little bit more open to going out, but neither of them really like it. I can't imagine many people's dogs are that fond of going out in the rain. So, you know, better this than I guess the sub 30 degree weather that we had last week. But uh, this is kind of crappy too. I, I gotta be honest, it, they're both pretty wretched. But you know what's not wretched is the Detroit Lions are still in the NFL playoffs, Justin. And, you know, we sprinkle in football every once in a while here during the winter as, as you know, we kind of invite the new fan bases that are here, um, you know, we could have invited the the Phillies fan base last episode because their Eagles were removed. And, uh, you know, as their team gets eliminated, if they're a fan of both football and baseball, they kind of come over. Tigers fans, man, they're hanging out because we are still rooting for our boys. We're going to go out to San Francisco. It's not going to be easy, but I think we're live dogs. I think they have a, a, a shot. They have a shot. I don't know Lions if they're going to win. not Tigers fans. No, no, I'm saying the Tigers fans oh, aren't. Yeah all in full force baseball yet yeah. because of the lions because most detroit fans are all detroit it's rare that you're like a lions fan but then a yankees fan or some shit right like detroit's one of those cities where it's you're you're, you're all of the teams you, you eat all of that misery so it's been great i'm excited if they lose in san francisco i'm not going to lose my head over it this has been a wonderful season but if they play their best ball they can win if the packers can lose by three then the Lions can can win. I don't know how much football you're watching here in these playoffs, but Brock Purdy, he looks like a seventh rounder every once in a while. And he looked yeah. like it for a lot of the second half on Sunday until the last drive, and then he looked like a badass. So I, I'm not a Purdy hater. I actually like him. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big football guy. Uh, I 
actually really thought my future in the industry was going to be as a football analyst because yep. I played, you know, high school football. I uh, played a quick minute of college football before realizing um, I'm not that uh, athletic or as <laughs> athletic as uh, some of the other people who play college football. Um, and so I always, and I coach football. So I thought I was like, Oh, I'm going to be a football analyst. And that never took off. And I ended up doing baseball and, uh, because I do baseball full time now or, or not full time, but year round, yes. I don't pay as much attention to football as I used to. And, um, so yeah, uh, I, I mean, I've been watching the playoffs. Uh, the lions game was fantastic i mean actually all the games were fantastic uh this weekend good good weekend after yeah. a dud weekend last week uh, yeah, last the lions game was good. lions game was the only good one last weekend mm -hmm. this weekend i thought they were all pretty and you know the ravens pulled away late but the texans played into it until mm -hmm. about the fourth quarter my brother-in-law big texans fan so i was rooting for them he kind of called the pivot point i forget exactly when it was but he's like okay if they score here we're in deep shit and that's exactly what happened is they they scored to go up two scores and then it was over but the the packers game uh packers were with the niners all the way till the end bucks were in it against us and then that chiefs bills game was awesome so uh anyway enough football i know some of y'all are very anti-football but there are plenty of us who are both sport fans so let's talk but wait what the hell Lions reach a deal with Zach Ertz. You can sign guys during the playoffs. If they were cut during the season. Because Brock Wright got hurt. So we signed. Uh, no, I know he's not Zach Ertz anymore, but that is just, I, I didn't know that. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Baseball. You guys <laughs> talked Hayter and Stevenson yesterday, you and Jason. I have not listened to that yet. And as I told you, it probably won't be until Friday. Uh, the next time I'm going to be able to get a walk when the, uh, when the weather turns. So tell me, what do you think about Hayter in Houston? Do you like him to thwart Presley? Are you trying to draft Presley on the on the decline? Where where were you guys at there? Um, I mean, I'm pretty uh, pretty bummed for the fantasy teams who already drafted Presley because I mean, you're not paying Josh Hayter, you know, to not close out games mm -hmm. after last season in which he wouldn't come into the eighth inning of a game like. He's, he, he is pitching the ninth, and that is it. Yes. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, unless something happens later, my press release shares are fairly worthless at this point. Uh, and so are people's Brian Abreu shares. So, like, the one yep. DC where I drafted both guys. Um, Ouch. <laughs> that, that didn't work Ouch. out real well. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, I mean, I love the move for Houston. Uh, not only did they get one of the top closers in the game, but they also kept it from kept him from their top rival, yes. the Rangers, uh, which was their biggest need, which is, you know, they got a lefty pitching. too. They yeah. have been running with like one or no lefties. They have not had a prominent lefty in their bullpen for quite some time. And it seems that they share some of the trepidation that I had about Ryan Presley this year too. More so from a health standpoint. His skills are still good, but that health has started to affect him a bit. He's going to be 35, so I totally understand this move. I feel you, though. Drafting, I, I have an Abreu share as well. You've got Presley and Abreu shares. It's tough. Uh, but I'll listen to y'all's and yours and Justin's, uh, Jason's thoughts in more detail during that pod. But what about Stevenson? Do you think he's the dude in L.A.? I know he's a former Ray, so I'm sure Jason had some thoughts. You know, one-time top prospect, now making good as a reliever, is he going to be a closer for the Angels? Where'd you guys come out on that? I mean, right now, Ross Resource has it as a shared job 
and I kind of think it may be a shared job. I mean, they're obviously paying Stevenson kind of closer-esque money, but the one thing that Stevenson showed in Tampa Bay is he can come into any situation and be a dude. Yep. I think and he's going to be a fireman. I almost wonder if he's going to be like a, a Duran where he can kind of pitch wherever is most effective yep. for the team at the time, which means he's probably going to get a bunch of saves, but just maybe not the full complement. And that Estevis, we also have on teams, uh, is going to get saves, but just not the full complement as well. And the problem is, I don't know how good this Angels team is going to be. So That's the thing, right? If it's a team that's getting 35 saves and we're splitting them up, then that's it's tough. Not- now, neither of them are extremely expensive. True. But uh, we kind of hypothesized that we could see Stevenson jump up towards 150. Quite a bit. Uh, and uh, I think it was Matt Williams um, mentioned uh, on uh, on the YouTube link um, or a YouTube, co- YouTube comment that he was in a DC yesterday and uh, Stevenson went at 181. So he's already jumped up like 150 picks at this point. Uh, and probably going to continue to jump up because the skills are immaculate and True. he has the th- stuff to be a top tier closer. Uh, the question is, will they let him have that role? I got a feeling at some point he's going to be the full-time guy. It just may take a little bit of time. They might need Estevis to blow up, but Estevis has those moments every season where it's like, you know, Hey, he looks great. And then all of a sudden loses his uh, control. And uh, they may, you know, if he loses that control this year, there's now someone in that bullpen who could take over full time. Yeah, absolutely agree with that on Stevenson. Going up to like 180, that puts him around Jose Alvarado, who's at 179. Are you taking Stevenson up there? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because um, I kind of see Alvarado as somebody who could share as well because of yeah, he's absolutely. a lefty and he can come into different situations. I love Jeff Hoffman. Uh, and Sir Anthony Dominguez has shown skills too. So I think Philly can Soto's kind of play still it. there. Like, yeah, I mean, they, they got showed, options for days. Yeah, they've shown in previous seasons like they don't mind sharing that role. So that seems to be the area for a shared closer. So mm-hmm. with Stevenson being there, I don't think that's an out-of-pocket price. Cool. Um, and then Yariel Rodriguez did sign with Toronto, but neither of us really know much about him. He really is a wild card. Even the article that I was reading on Trade Rumors said exactly that. They call him a wild card because of his trajectory. He's from Cuba. He pitched on the WBC team. Uh, he had been in Japan pitching as a reliever when he was a starter in Cuba. He did not go back to his Japanese team this past year. So he took basically a year off. Toronto decided to take a shot on him. Definitely recommend you check out other folks that are more in tune with somebody like Ariel Rodriguez, perhaps maybe somebody like uh, Tim McLeod, the guy we always recommend when we're talking to Asia mm-hmm. baseball. And we'll talk more about him in spring when we've got a better feel, but we don't want to speculate on a player that we just don't know that well. But I did want to bring it up so people didn't think that we just completely glossed over it. But today we're talking catchers. Let's get behind the dish here and start our catcher preview. Uh, we do have a hard out in about an hour because of your your chat, so we'll get as far as we can. It'll probably be a two-parter, but let's uh, let's get started. Let's start with the king. These ADPs will be cited since Christmas, so uh, put twelve twenty-five in the date column there through one twenty-two, and that will give you thirty DCs, thirty draft champions drafts that we're going off of, and the king is, of course, Adley Rutschman at pick 55. He's well clear of the next group there that starts at pick 73, which we'll get into in a moment, but he stands alone at the top. Now, I know that we've talked a bit of catcher strategy and suggested that some of that depth might 
take you off of some of these top guys. I, I kind of straddled the line where if I don't get them, that's okay because I do like some other guys, but I am still interested in top of the scale guys like Adley Rutschman. I will take him up there um, and we'll get into the depth later, but what do you think of Rutschman as the number one guy? I think it's fair. Um, I do. Is he want, your number one guy? I don't know that he's going to be. Okay. Um, so once I finish my catcher projections, I'll have a better idea. Uh, I still think JT Romuto is the number one guy. I figured you might. And I don't um, think that that's out of pocket, by the way. I also don't think it's out of pocket that Rutschman is the number one guy off the board. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, like, I'm not going to beat up anybody who thinks that they should be taking Rutschman ahead of him. I just think that the track record for Romuto is too long and too good uh, and too stable. Now, that being said, Rutschman has one of the sexiest, safest profiles of a young catcher that I think we have seen in a really, really long time. I agree. I mean, a 92% zone contact is elite for any hitter. So for a catcher, like, oh, um, I do worry that, you know, people are projecting power growth this year and that we may not see it in part because of the park. And in part because I just don't think it's quite fully developed yet. I do think he is a 25 to 30 homer guy at some point. Sure. I just don't know if I'm projecting that this year. Steamer's kind of with me. They're projecting 20 home runs, though I do think that Steamer is pretty light on the plate appearances because the one thing Ali Rutschman does is play every freaking day. Man plays. Uh, and this is why I start going, I totally understand why people would take him as high as they are. Because if you're talking about a catcher that has the ability to hit, I'm going to be a little hyperbolic here, but 300, I think he can hit 300 yeah, at some point. In his I agree. With 20 plus home runs and you get that 300 batting average in 650 plus plate appearances. That is massive from the catching position. That it's um, it's it's unbelievable how good that can be, and I totally agree. Even his 277 last year for Rutschman is really good. Let alone if he does get those 23 points that I agree with you are in the cards. He can hit a 300 season. Um, his his XBA last year was 290. That doesn't surprise me. To me, the easiest comp is just switch hitting. Buster Posey. Like, I just think that he is the next generational dude. So yeah. I'm with you. I totally down to take him number one. If somebody prefers to take the discount on Real Muto, I do not begrudge them that, or even Will Smith, or even some of the other guys we're going to get into. But I like Rutschman as the king. I will pay the premium. I have paid the premium, but because I do like the depth of the position, I'm not going to be getting Rutschman everywhere this year so yeah. i might have a couple shares in dcs and then we'll see how it goes as we get into the uh, draft I, season i haven't pulled the trigger yet but i will at some point i am going I, to make sure that adley rutschman is on one of my teams this year i got him at 66 in my most recent one so i got an 11 pick discount on adp yeah. and i'll take it so okay we love rutschman let's talk some established studs these next five guys they've put some stuff on paper that you can believe in jt real muto pick 73 um Will Smith, pick 86. Sal Perez, 139. Will Wilson Contreras, pick 140. And Sean Murphy, pick 
143. You mentioned Real Muto. You talked about how he could be your top guy. Totally get that, especially because he brings that speed component. He is coming off of a little bit of a down year, especially relative to what he's been able to do uh, with just a 102 WRC+. Plus but still went 2016 with the homers and steals. And from catcher, that is just so damn good uh, that it's hard to ignore and hard to freak out too much about the slash line declines, especially if you don't necessarily believe that it's the beginning of like a doubt of a, of a decline as he enters his mid thirties. So if you think Real Muto can rebound back up to say like, I don't know, 110, 112 WRC plus while still giving you the power and speed, he does have a case to be the number one guy. I like him here um, where he's going. I think that's totally fair. I will end up with him if if the draft falls, like I'm not avoiding him. I have not yet, though. Uh, you mentioned that you do like Real Muto. Yeah. Where do you see this going, though, with the slash line after it dipped last year? Is there a rebound or is this the beginning of a soft decline for him, in your opinion? I think this is probably the beginning of a soft decline for Real Muto, but I do think it's a soft one. And... Um, and I think the the soft decline has been coming. Uh, you know, we've seen just a little bit less bat speed, a little bit less zone contact, uh, kind of over the last three seasons. And it hasn't translated into the numbers, but it started to this last year. Does that mean he's going to like drop off to be a two twenty or two thirty hitter? No, like he, he's you know he had a, a little bit lower BABIP than his career average. You know, there's a pretty good chance that like he's still like a 260 hitter with 20 plus home runs and 15 to 20 stolen bases. And from the catcher position, that's still amazingly valuable. Um, and it really so, is. Uh, like I, I have no problem drafting room. I've already drafted him twice. Uh, so like I am clearly uh, still in at, especially at this price. I mean, this is a guy that people were taking in the second round of drafts last year. Mm -hmm. He's coming off a 2020 season, yeah. Yeah, the, you know, that, yes, was the batting average down a little bit? Sure. But he's coming off of a season in which, you know, he hit 20 home runs and stole 16 bases. Like, like He he doubled second play, place at the position for steals, Real Muto did, yeah. with 16 versus 8. Like, that is still so valuable. I, th I feel like the floor is probably like 15-10. You know, I think I'm at least getting a 15, 10, 240 type season, which I would not like at pick 73. But if I can kind of pencil that in and work from there, I'll take it. So I still like yeah. Real Muto. He still brings a lot to the table. What about Will Smith? I think he's a bit forgotten right now. He's like a um, an expensive bargain, meaning he's a top 100 pick. So I don't want to say he's, you know, a sleeper mm -hmm. or anything. But I wonder if he shouldn't be right there with Real Muto at pick 73. Um, at pick 86, am I, am I crazy here for thinking that he's kind of forgotten here? Is Will Smith somebody that uh, the, the draft market is, is maybe glossing over a bit because of so many of the other appealing catchers? Or do you like him at 86 coming off a 261-1976 type season for Will Smith? What do you think? It's hard because I wonder if like the kind of pushback on Will Smith which has like there's good reason for pushback on Will Smith, not because he's got bad skills, like the skills are just still fine. It's kind of the role, right? Like he was supposed to be a plate appearance hog last year, yep. DHing a bunch. He only DH 14 games. He's now not going to DH many of those 14 games, uh, with Shoya Otani in town and Otani not being able to pitch. Correct. Um, so he's no longer that plate appearance hog that uh, we we're kind of expecting in the middle of that lineup. 
that being said, like he's still hitting in the middle of the Dodgers lineup, and he's still a really good hitter. Like he's just, you know, another one of these guys who like hits the crap out of the ball and makes a lot of contact. And uh, so absurdly feel, good skills. Yeah. I feel like he is, um, I think he's still too expensive for me only because of the other guys going behind him that I really, really like. Like I, to me, there isn't that much of difference between Will Smith and Sal Perez and Wilson Contreras and Sean Murphy and Yarnia Diaz and Will, uh, William Contreras and William Contreras is the only one out of that group going above him. The other guys are all going 20 or more picks behind him. So I will almost always wait um, and draft a different guy just because of the price difference. Yeah, th there's some guys that you mentioned there that I'm not as keen on. I've always had a little bit of a blind spot for Sal Perez. I'm not sure I, I value him. I, I just I worry so much about those plate skills and his average cratering. So I do prefer Will Smith. I mean, at a higher price point. At some point, you might be right, but in, like this is one of those like uh, Chris Sale injury things where if you yeah, keep projecting like, it, yeah, yeah, when he's 38, you're gonna be right. No, but I know, I know. I know we're gonna talk about Sal Perez next, but like this is like the best price you've ever gotten on Sal Perez. I promise that if he finally like flops in two years, I won't go. I told y'all cause I've okay, been I wrong. And yeah. even this past year when he had an 86 WRC plus, I still didn't go around toting, you know, a pound of my chest saying I was right. Cause he went 23 and 80. You still got yeah. 23 and 80, 255 out of catcher. His WRC plus sucked because he had a sub 300 OBP, which yeah. unless you're in an OBP league, who really gives a shit? Yeah, it affects his runs. I understand, but twenty three eighty from catcher, totally get it. So, again, I would prefer Smith even at the higher price, but I don't think you're out of pocket for saying that with I Perez mean, and Contreras and Murphy. What about my, well, my push pack though, real quick on yeah, yeah, go on ahead. That is, you were just saying twenty three eighty is like yeah, okay, but it's still good. Like that's what you you didn't even get twenty three eighty from Will Smith. No, no, twenty three eighty is amazing, is what I'm saying. Okay, all right. Like no, no, like that. Like right, maybe I, I would... do not get hung up on the eighty six WRC plus because twenty three eighty at catcher is badass. So even with a sub one hundred WRC plus, Sal Perez was still able to give you that kind of production. In fact, uh, it matched his home run total from twenty two, and he had four extra ribbies. So even when he had a one hundred eight WRC plus in twenty twenty two. He was better fantasy player in 2023. So, no, I get it with Sal Perez. He is the next guy on the list. You like him a bit better, but I even pointed out in my catcher rankings that I, I, I probably I probably am a little too mean to him. I, I need to be better about understanding that that sort of power, that that bankable power has value. Yeah. Even if the slash line is shit. So, at pick 139, you really like Sal Perez this year, right? I, I mean, he's not a guy that I'm like jumping for joy, but like, I just feel like it's too low. I mean, he was, he was coming off of like, a, or he was, was it down season um, in 2022? Yeah, I think it was. Um, and like, he was, his value was depressed last year and he was going around pick 80. Now you're getting it at pick 140 and like, yeah, like he's like the kind of guy you pencil in for 20 home runs and like a 250 batting average like yeah because he's a fixture right south yeah, like, isn't coming out uh behind the dish ever like and even if he can't catch like he's dh'ing like so four point first yeah yeah like he's just gonna play 
I mean, he's not playing a lot of first this year because I think Vinny P. I agree. Um, but like, I still think he is like full time catching. Then when he's not catching, when they want to give him a breather, he's DHing. He's 550 plus plate appearances, uh, 20 home runs, you know, batting average that, you know, is fine. And he's kind of boring. And maybe it's because he's old and boring. Like the is. price is depressed. And there are yep. other, there's so many other guys with these, these quote unquote upsides, which, you know, they do have huge upsides, but like, Sometimes I just want the guaranteed production and yep. I'll take that from Sal Perez. I, I think that's totally fair to sometimes remember that just taking the, the locked in stud ass production that he's just been delivering uh, for years for Sal Perez makes sense. And, you know, we talk about the, I think the poster boy that we mentioned on this is like a Dave Potts type team. Cause he drafts a lot of boring guys that nobody ooze and ahs over. And yet he wins millions of dollars. That is not an exaggeration. Um, yeah. and I don't know if Sal Perez would specifically be on his teams. I don't want to speak for, for Dave, but it's that type of player where now he's pick 140. He's cheaper than he should be 2370, you know, or 2070, 250 locked. It feels like even at age 34. What about Wilson Contreras? We'll get to William in a moment, who is going higher, but I put him in a different tier. William is pick 140, or excuse me, Wilson is pick 140. I love Wilson Contreras too. Um, that He's probably who I would take instead of Sal Perez at that point, but it's two guys that are you know more established. They're in their 30s, but they are bankable. He went to St. Louis in his first year and went 20-67, threw in six steals, by the way. I'll take that after four and five the year before. So he's always going to give you that little sprinkle with a 264 average. I imagine the runs and ribbies would have been better if St. Louis had been better, although as we've talked about repeatedly, that offense was actually still pretty decent. But he had a hell of a year. I love Wilson Contreras. I think he's underrated at pick 140, to be quite honest. What do you think, Contreras, the first of the Contreras brothers. This gives me an opportunity to introduce you to my new friend. Mm. This is Newt. I love it. So you got a Cardinal and an, are we going to name the Oriole? Who It has to be said, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right, so the we got Oriole said and Newt. So, yeah. Anybody else? Yeah, we, we, we also have uh, Bo, <laughs> who is the Blue Jay. I, I will I will put a uh, disclaimer at the top of the episode warning people this is coming because we did have someone mention Jenny's cats. I scared the crap out of Jenny Butler's cats. So now you got three um, birds. Those are really freaking cute toys. I love that you yeah. got all the baseball team ones now. Mm -hmm. And uh, Newt, Bo, and Sed yep. are now regular members of the podcast. You know, I tried to get real life birds. I really tried to one up you on that one, but I really couldn't corral them. It was difficult to kind of get them to be on the show. So I think maybe the stuff when birds. The, when the Austin uh, Pigeons become a real baseball team Bingo. after expansion, then you'll be totally set. 100%. I'll be ready to rock. So, no, I love that very much there. So with Contreras, uh, you didn't name the bird after him, but do you like Contreras on his new team? He had a good debut season. Is Wilson Contreras somebody that you'll go for in that 140 pick range? Yeah, I think that like this whole group uh of guys are guys i'm looking to target um you know as my first catcher i just i i feel like a lot of these guys especially in this kind of tier um are just kind of guaranteed production like and i, I love that kind of guaranteed production and i i do love upside i love chasing the guys who could just like absolutely crush it this season but um 
especially if you're like me and you play in deeper leagues, having those guys you can pencil in like Wilson Contreras are really, really good. The skills are fine. Uh, you know, you have to think that everything in St. Louis is better than it was last year. Last year was just kind of a disaster season. I know it wasn't as bad offensively as it was for the pitching, but still that, that kind of stuff. It's a sour season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, they let him DH in 30 games. Like, like he gets plate appearances 495 last year. Uh, so I, yeah, I like Contreras and he feels like the guy that, um, is always a little bit forgotten when we get, or not necessarily forgotten, but maybe under, it's a bit overlooked. Yeah. Yeah. When we get to March drafts, like I always end up with him in auctions because everybody like stops at like 13 bucks and I'm like, all right. I'll, I'll take a $14. Yeah, Wilson Contreras. Contreras, like, he's so good. And, you know, his yeah. brother's a new flavor of the of the month type guy. And I like him too. William, we're going to get to. He leads off the next tier, but we're going to talk Sean Murphy first. But I do think with this catcher renaissance, both Perez and Contreras have been a little bit forgotten. And I will take those discounts. Even though I like some of the guys rising, give me the guys who have come down as a result, including this next guy, Sean Murphy, pick 143. Justin, I think this is a big overreaction to last year's uh, dip in playing time. I think people are worried that that he's like some part-timer now or something, and I just don't see it. I'm buying low. I'll take the discount. He is the ninth catcher off the board. It was an ugly September um, that kind of fueled a, a bad second half, but I'm just not that worried about it. Yeah, I, I really think it was the bad one bad month. You know, and it was only 55 plate appearances in September, too. I still think he's an absolute stud, and he's part of one of the best teams out there. What do you think of Sean Murphy? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it was he was struggling, and they were going to win that division. So it's kind of like, hey, let's just make sure you're healthy for when it really matters. Um, exactly. I think, I think that division is just as competitive uh, this year, and I think that they're going to have to, uh, you know, use him. And I mean, Travis Darno is a great backup, but that's what he is. He's a backup. He's not sharing the role with Sean Murphy. Uh, I and I do like he had a two seventy two uh, XBA, and like I mean, he was absolutely crushing it early on in the season. Yeah, he slowed down, maybe got it nicked up or something. But yeah, I agree with you. I think this is uh, an overreaction. I thoroughly expect him to go. I mean, he's not. He's never going to be a six hundred plate appearance guy like he was in Oakland. No, different setup, and uh, Atlanta doesn't have to push him like that. Yeah, but I would expect him to get back to 500 plate appearances um, and be, uh, you know, and, and potentially more and hit 20 plus home runs with a decent batting average and a boatload of runs and RBIs because yep. of Atlanta being so good. So, like, yes, I think last year, um, was just a little bit of a transition year, kind of a little bit of a fluke. I think he's going to be fine. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more on Sean Murphy. I don't really need to expound upon that because I love where he's going and I'll definitely get him. So Perez, Contreras, Wilson Contreras, and Murphy all in the same spot. Who are you picking more often than not? Uh, I'm probably picking Wilson Contreras more often than not. Okay. Um, but you know, to me, it's like, these guys are all interchangeable and I'm going to take the guy who's last. Like I'm just yeah. going to try to wait, especially because I mean, you know, I think it's, that's easier said than done. Obviously in a lot of situations where you're like, Oh, I'll just take the last guy of a tier until you get sniped on that last guy of the tier and you have to wait for the next year. 
the beauty of this is there are so many guys at catcher this year. You know, the reason we, I mean, how many times have we ever done a two part catcher series? Exactly. Uh, like, uh, it's there's so many guys that you can actually play that gamble with this tier because the next tier is just as good. That's the thing I was noticing when I was writing up the catcher rankings was like just another guy I like, another guy I like, another guy I like. And so as we jump into the next tier, studs on the rise, we've got a group of guys that ranges from pick 79 to 242, but you can make a case that all of these guys could be even better than they were this past year. It does start with William Contreras at pick 79. I'm not going to read them all off because it's a pretty big group, so we'll just go one by one with them. William Contreras at pick 79 has passed Big Bro. Uh, went to Milwaukee. They taught him how to catch, which they've become known for now. Yeah. And he already showed that he could hit when he was with Atlanta. So now they've turned him into one of the best catchers in all of baseball, coming off a five-win campaign. 17 homers, 78 runs batted in, six steals, 86 runs, and a 289 average. I understand why he's going above uh, Big Bro. I don't hate pick 79 for William Contreras. It all comes down, again, to do I want to pay for a stud or do I want to wait? But I would be okay to pay for William Contreras at the price point if it fits my my pick at that area. What do you think about William Contreras? Is he is he emerging into one of the best out there? I don't know if I'm quite ready to say that. I mean, there were some really amazing gains that I don't think can be denied in terms of, like, dropping the strikeout rate 7% last year, like, like dropping it from 27.5% to 20.5% while keeping the walks in check um, is, is really, really impressive. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how sustainable the batting average is at the levels that we've seen the last two years. He's had pretty high BABIPs, um, and his own contact numbers are below average. Now, they improved last year, which is good. So, like... Do I think he's going to give back all that batting average? No, I, I don't think that. But I do think he's probably closer to his brother in terms of like where I would project the batting average, which is like you know two fifty something, as opposed to being like a two seventy or two eighty type hitter. And I do also worry about what the hell is going to happen in Milwaukee. Like, what is this lineup going to look like? once they decide to start selling pieces. And I do think that a sell is coming at some point this year. When though? Because I thought it would happen in the off season. You think they're just going to go in with the team and then sell? Uh, I do. I think they're going to go in with the team as is. And that then just kills just... your potential value though. You're not going to get, yeah. I mean, I know you can listen, prices of uh, rentals have gone back up in these last couple of years. Remember there was a few year lull where you weren't getting shit even for a stud. Uh, relative to what you used to be able to get. And now you can actually get something. So Burns, if he's if he's Corbin Burns, he's still going to net something. But man, it's so much more appealing to offer a team a full year of him that I'm surprised that they're not that they're not trying that. Same with Adamas. Yeah. I actually think they're more inclined I think that they think they they can still compete like this. I think that they're straddling the fence. Exactly, um, which I, is dangerous, by with, the way. As my giants have learned, right? Like, yep. they, you know, because you get stuck in this position where, like, oh, we're too close to, you know, sell. Uh, but, you know, I don't know that we're we too really far from should, being stunned. Yeah, but we're not, we're not necessarily the cream of the crop. So let's not buy. Especially then, with you, no Woodruff. Yeah, no Woodruff. Um, you know, 
I, I Freddie Peralta took a really nice step forward, but does mm-hmm. it is it going to sustain all of those uh, steps forward? I don't know. You know, like it's and they don't have the same kind of depth they did in the rotation previously. You know, they've traded away Hauser, like you mentioned. Woodruff is you know injured, and now he was uh, non-tendered. Um, like they can't sustain the hits that they could previously. So. Yep. I do think this team gets sold or pieces on this team get sold. And what does that leave around Wilson Contreras at that point? Um, No, sorry, William Contreras at that point. So I honestly, again, still kind of working through those projections. I haven't run the numbers yet, but my guess is he is not my number four or five catcher. And he's probably outside of that. I, I don't think that that's impossible to say, um, you know, the or the lineup as is right now is pretty weak at the back half. Top yeah. of the half, top half still looks pretty good. Steamer's got him for eighty and eighty-five. That's going to be tough if the lineup yeah. loses pieces. If they lose an Adamus, you got Chorio coming in though. He's expected to be there for the full year because he signed the deal. But then you're looking at that bottom part. You know, you got Monasterio still at third. Bryce Terang at at second. Um, you know, is Garrett Mitchell going to take a step forward offensively? He was fine, but. What, what's he going to do? I, actually, he's kind of a wild card because uh, he got injured early, right? Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we don't really know exactly where he's at. Um, Sal Frelick, another young outfielder that they have. He played a bit more time. He was about average. If one of those two takes a real step forward to where they're like a top half of the order type guy, that would go a long way to lengthening this lineup. Because if you yeah. get Chorio, one of them, Contreras, Yelich, Adamas, now you got five pieces that you can kind of build around and go from there um again i probably won't have too much william Contreras just because i like so many other guys but i don't think he's an objectionable pick at 79 that's kind of how i straddled the fence on that yiner diaz could not bang the drum hard enough last year if i can if i can be a little braggart um i was very excited about him the market has passed me by pick 110 like, I understand reasons to be excited about this bat. I'm just surprised that he blew past so many guys. And I know he ripped 23 bombs in just 377 plate appearances last year with a 282 average. So there's excitement. And Maldonado's gone. So there's excitement. But 110 is a little rich for me on Yiner Diaz. And I'm having to make sure that I don't let some goodwill from last year because he was a waiver pickup for me bleed into this year where I'm willing to overpay for him because of that. So I, I'm a bit nervous on Yiner Diaz. Well, what say you at that price point? 110 does feel like a lot. Um, that being said, I completely understand it um, because the upside, if he can just kind of do what he did last year with more plate appearances is massive. 23 Rich. home runs, 377 plate appearances. Do not, do not extrapolate that out to 500 plate appearances or whatever. Um, because I but think I want to, it's so yeah. fun to do that. Uh, that being said, like, I think high mid to high twenties homers, um, with a good batting average is in the cards here. Uh, this is one of those guys that I, I can definitely like see the range of outcomes, including best catcher in fantasy baseball this year. He's on one of the best teams in baseball. There is pop in the bat. He makes above league average zone contact. Um, and, you know, the team is 
committing to him. For sure. The hard part is like, you know, he got a lot of plate appearances last year at other spots that I don't know that he's going to get as much. Uh, that was, that was my question because Yander Diaz did play a lot. In fact, he broke out when Alvarez was hurt. He got to, he got to yep. play DH every day. So he got 29 extra plate appearances at first base, 146 DHing, just 187 behind the dish. He's going to get more behind the dish because as I mentioned, Maldonado's gone. Victor mm -hmm. Caratini's the backup. So I think they're going to, they're going to trust him a bit at catcher. But is he going to get the supplemental plate appearances? I don't think so. So well, how many I mean, more? I think he will at times because Jordan's going to get hurt again, right? I mean, like... He, he may, yes. But is he going to get 176 more? Yeah, that's the problem. Is I, I just don't know that he's going to get that many more. Um, now, uh, like, I see, like, Steamer having him at, like, 421 plate appearances... That feels like undershooting it quite a bit. Like I do think he's probably like four seventy-five to five hundred uh, in terms of plate appearances, which again, like I said, I think can result in like 27, 28 home runs with a good batting average, and that's really, really valuable and worth a top hundred ten pick, um, mm -hmm. in, especially in a two catcher format. Um, there is risk, though. I mean, like this guy kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I hadn't even heard of him really until I sat down with Eric Skomolski to do the, uh, the Astros preview for the Friends Fantasy Benefits podcast. And he was like, Hey, I got a guy for you. If you want to take a shot in the DC, take a shot on Yainer Diaz. And I was like, I don't even know who that is. Um, and he was a stud. Shout out to Eric. Um, shout out to was... two Eric's Eric Long and Hangen mentioned him on our, uh, prospect oh, right. extravaganza yep. that we did that uh, went over very well. People love that. He mentioned so many names that hit. He was on the Yiner Diaz too. So if somebody named Eric tells you yep. about Yiner Diaz, you should Trust listen. Samolski and Loggenhang, and they know what yep. they're talking about. Yeah, if Yiner Diaz hits 30 bombs, I would be 0% surprised, legitimately. Yep. It's just you're paying full freight for it. You're not paying for 30. He doesn't need to hit 30 to give you back value, but he needs to hit. He needs to at least repeat what he did last season. Exactly. Um, and so... Again, the positional depth, and I mentioned this in the catcher rankings. I said, I like him, but the positional depth and this price has me leaning away a little bit from Which Yana is fine. Diaz. Yeah. So that, that's what it comes down to. Doesn't mean I won't get any uh, shares of him. I'm just not seeking him out the way I thought I might be. I didn't know the market was going to fully buy in the way they did. So they, they created no value. It hasn't gotten worse. I it really probably I really, will in the spring. Yeah, I, I really thought it was going to get worse. Um, I think he has a chance to be a top 100 guy. We could see that from Yiner Diaz. Sure. And, um, but I mean, I'll I'd, say it. I'd take Yiner Diaz over Will Smith. Oh, I would not. Board Why bet? would you do that? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. All day. Yeah. All right. So much better played skills. I just think it builds me such a sturdier floor here. And I know Yiner Diaz hit 292 last year to 261. But if you're doing, or 282 to 261, but if you're doing a batting average projection, how far apart could they really be? Um, I mean, I'm going to look. I, I, I navigated away from Will Smith's page, so I'm going to have to go back. He's got a 257 it. projection to Yiner Diaz's 273. So I guess even Steamer has a decent split from them. And I disagree. The, I mean, the underlying numbers are like super, super similar. Like, 
Yes, Yanir Diaz has a little bit better zone contact, but a much worse O swing. Like, it's, yeah, uh, so and it, like he does not walk at all either, which does not no. raise your batting average, but it can help your batting average and by it the can fact also that it help you run score. So exactly, I probably shouldn't take. But you already did it. You suggested it. But I am going to do it. All right. Let's talk the old big dumper. Cal Raleigh still such a hilarious nickname that it's just so prevalent. They say it on TV. It's just like, should we be saying that? But, you know, it's funny. Uh, Big dumper was an L for me last year. I was worried about some sharp regression, and I was wrong. And so shouts to those that promoted him and stayed bought in. I, I got pushback even as I was nervous about him. I was worried about that 211 batting average. I know some people had pointed to the BABIP saying, well, he could get a little BABIP spike to kind of mitigate that. Um, and that's exactly what happened is BABIP went way up from 226 to 273, and it helped him get a 21-point batting average spike to 232, which is a lot more palatable than 211, of course, especially when it comes with 30 bombs, 75 ribs, and 78 runs. Big Dumper was awesome. Uh, he's going to be 27. He's kind of an established guy now after these two years i guess you could say he's still on the rise only because it's his third season he's picked 139 i'm more in this year i learned from my mistakes i think big dumper can kind of just do this again 230 30 type guy right um any objection there do you think cal raleigh will struggle in any tangible way that has you running away from him or are you okay at pick 139 with cal raleigh no, I mean, I think this is kind of who he is. He's a guy who's going to hit bombs. Um, not going to help you in the batting average, but he's going to hit, you know, in a good spot in that lineup and hit a lot of home runs. And, uh, you know, I'm not worried that Mitch Garver's in town. Um, I no. just I think that uh, this is kind of a perfect spot for, for Cal Raleigh. I think he's very, very appropriately uh, ranked. I, I mean, obviously, when you have the kind of potential swing and miss in his game that, Cal Raleigh does have, there is a more added risk, especially comparatively speaking to the three guys or the two other guys or three other guys who he's going around that we talked about in the last year and in Sal Perez, Will Contreras and Sean Murphy. I just think their floors are safer. So I'm probably going to lean that way more often than not. But if Cal Raleigh were to drop, I've got no problem taking it. That's exactly where I'm at. I'm going to prefer Contreras, Wilson and, uh, Sean Murphy more with the same price point. But yeah, you start giving me a Cal Raleigh closer to 150, I can get in um, because I've been a little cold on him and I'm starting to warm up. Francisco Alvarez showed the the big time power. And I do wonder, and I ask this in my catcher rankings, if he's not just a cheaper Raleigh. Now he's not that much cheaper, but he does go cheaper. He's a 146 ADP. His max pick is about 20 picks long, deeper than Cal Raleigh from 155 to 173. That's the max that they've gone in these 30 drafts. So why wouldn't I just take Francisco Alvarez if I like Cal Raleigh that much? Because I just said that Cal Raleigh's got risk to him in a floor that isn't super safe. Um, And you have to actually dig into the floor of Cal Raleigh to find Francisco Alvarez's uh, uh, kind of floor. Um, So you would need a bigger price disparity to really value them as a cheaper version thereof. They're guys that are going after Alvarez that I just feel better than. Now, I mean, the upside is huge. So if you're, especially if you're in like a 10-team one-catcher league, Alvarez is the perfect kind of guy to draft because like if he is garbage, you drop him and there's other guys on the waiver wire to go pick oh, yeah. up. 
But when you start getting into deeper leagues, you know, either, you know, one catch or 15 team leagues or any sort of two catcher format, you start feeling a lot less, you know, safe about the rest of the pool. Like the pool is, it's not bad. It's definitely not what it was a few years ago, but there are definitely some bigger drop-offs at the catcher position. So I'm, uh, you know, Alvarez really, really struggled against uh, left-handed pitching, hitting 179 against them last year. And he also- He's a right-hander, by the way. Sorry to interrupt you, but like that, that's a righty-lefty struggle. Mm -hmm. So you wonder if he can get better there. Like it it seems like he probably should be able to. He should be able to. But he also hit 174 in the entire second half. Like, Oof. yeah, there was power, but a lot of the power came in that first half when he had 17 home runs with 238 batting average. And then pitchers adjusted him, and he was unable to adjust back. Does that mean that he's done? Absolutely not. Like, no, I, no, 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 You know, he had four September home runs. Um, like, I think this is a really good prospect, but I also think it's a, this, this is a guy who's going to strike out close to 30% of the time. The batting average is not going to be very good. So it's kind of a power only bat. And um, I just think there are really, really interesting guys going behind him that we're just about to talk about that I think I'd rather have. Like, why yeah, would I, think- I draft Francisco Alvarez when I can get Shailene Galeers like a hundred picks later? And that's exactly what I put in the catcher rankings. If, if, if Francisco Alvarez is a cheaper Cal Raleigh, then Shea Langliers is the dirt cheap option of both yeah, of those guys. And absolutely. I completely agree with that. We'll get to him in a moment. With Alvarez, I bet he's one of those guys that people hung on to too long because he had such a good first yeah. half that unless you were really dialed in and paying attention to his day-to-day, you might have just held on through all the ugliness of the second half instead of finding a different catcher yeah. and you ate that 613 OPS. But don't let that dissuade you because I agree he can get better this year. I don't think he's going to put up another 184 BABIP against lefties. Uh, Francisco Alvarez should be able to hit at least 220, 230 against lefties, which will bring his composite average up around there. So he's fine, but I agree. While he is a cheaper Raleigh by definition, um, he's not cheap enough comparatively. I'd rather just take Raleigh. Y'all have brought me yeah. on to the Raleigh side. And I will say, if you're in an on-base percentage league, I think that that walk rate will come up closer to what we saw in the minor leagues, which was double-digit. Agreed. Uh, this is for Alvarez, minor. you're saying. For Al- yeah. For Alvarez, yeah. Completely agree there, too. Um, all right, let's 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 do a big shift here. Now, it's just a few picks later, but this player profile is way different, and that's of Gabriel Moreno from Arizona. He's coming at pick 153, so just seven picks after Alvarez gives you the direct opposite. I mean, he gives you some punch, but you're looking at a guy who hit 284 last year, seven homers, so not even really much punch. Like He can hit a few homers, but seven homers, six steals, 50 ribbies, 33 runs, and 380 plate appearances had a nice playoff run as well that kind of garnered him some attention i think he hit four or five homers during the playoffs as well um big time prospect with toronto when they traded him in that dalton varsho deal people were excited took some time to get going but had great defense won a gold glove hit 284 is gabriel moreno capable of of a breakout is there more to this or do we see who he is and we're just going to get the same at more volume next year what do you think of gabriel moreno in arizona yeah, I think we're going to get the same at more volume, which is fine. Like, I think this is um, a high floor catcher uh, that isn't going to hurt you, which, you know, like we just talked about with Cal Raleigh uh, and Francisco Alvarez, like they can hurt you uh, because of their batting averages. Whereas mm-hmm. Moreno is kind of a, I don't know, like a, a diet version of 
Chicho Ramuto, right? Or like he kind of contributes in all five categories, just maybe not quite on the level that a JT does. Uh, I, I wonder how much the four postseason home runs have affected his value in terms of people like giving him a little bit more power projection than I think is really in the bat. I mean, we're talking about yep. a guy that's 50% ground ball rate. He doesn't strike the ball particularly hard. He makes a lot of contact. I think there are going to be good batting averages and you're going to get, you know, stolen bases that you don't typically expect from catcher. Uh, but like I, I think he's probably a mid to low teens homer guy, a mid to low teens uh, stolen base guy with a good batting average. That's great. I'll take that. If but, I get mid to low teens SBs, especially because I'm not even planning for double digit on a Moreno. Six, if he can six, add to that six, yeah. I would love that. So yeah, if you can give me like 11, 11 and 11 with a 280 average. I think that's and, like and good runs ribbies. Kind of line, yeah. I would love that from Moreno. I, I'm actually really keen on him. Um, again, we're saying this about a lot of guys though, and you only need two in most leagues mm -hmm. or one in a lot of other leagues, you know, it's one catcher league. So you don't have to really push. And that's why I understand the people. I think the first comment on my catcher rankings was something to the effect of, so what you're telling me is to just in a 12 team, one catcher, just buy a $1 catcher. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, yeah absolutely. you absolutely can do that. Even um, in a 15 one catcher league, like I'm you waiting till the end. Um, yeah. Unless a guy falls so much farther than I think he deserves to fall. Sure. I'll, I'll just jump early. Um, but like in a one catcher league of pretty much any format or any mixed league format, um, last round pick, I'm taking the last catcher off the board. And then, you know, I'll play catcher roulette until I land on the guy who's popping that year. Cause I think there are guys going outside the top 15 that are going to pop. Totally agree. Totally agree. One catcher formats. I'm playing it wild like that Two catcher. I'm still trying to invest yes. a little bit at the higher end, but um, yeah, catchers deep. And we got another guy here that we both love who was a little bit derailed by injury. Well, not a little bit. He was a lot bit derailed by injury last year or else his price would be a lot higher. And I do have some concerns um, that Logan Ohapi could be a big spring riser. He's at pick 159 right now. I think there could be some hype that could really blow him up into like the 130s, 120s with that group there. Um, just because there's a lot of excitement about him. And once people see him back on the field and whatnot, they might get intrigued again. 14 homers in just 199 plate appearances, only a 236 average and 296 OBP. But I keep coming back to that power with 14 bombs in such a small sample, just 51 games he's the dude in la too so i think that that's locked and loaded where do we feel what, what do we feel about ohapi now that he's back from the injury and ready to kind of continue that breakout that we started to see hinted at last year are you in on ohapi at pick 159 yeah i think i am um especially if i miss out on all the other guys we've kind of talked about and like uh he kind of begins off this tier of next guys that i really really like so um, there's power in the bat. Like I said, he's going to be the guy now, um, as long as he's healthy, you know, he played a month and a half at the end of the season. Like there's no reason to think he's not healthy at this point, uh, unless yep. we hear something in spring. So yeah, I, I do think that Ohapi is a guy that, uh, given the playing time and the potential to even get TH at bats because the angels don't necessarily have a full-time TH with Otani on, uh, you could be looking at, 25 plus home runs and a decent batting average. So, um, yeah, I, I totally have no problem with Ohapi going where where he is. It's kind of, if I miss out on that tier that I really love, 
of the Wilson Contreras and the Sean Murphy and stuff like that, then you know, Ohapi is a guy I'm targeting. Yep. That's uh, right. That's right where I'm at with him. I really think Ohapi could be another one of these guys that, that rises. In fact, he could be one of your guys in the 10, 12 team format where, oh, I drafted somebody. It didn't work. And then now somebody cut Ohapi early and then you're playing roulette with him and maybe he lands and happens to be your guy because he is, he's the 12th catcher off the board. So in a lot of yeah. 10 team leagues, he does not even go. Yeah. Uh, Bo Naylor, another young guy on the rise here. And there's so many of them. We're going to talk about a ton more in the next episode too, because we're only going to cover Naylor and Langliers here before your chat. But Bo Naylor is the brother of Josh. They are teammates. And he quietly, I feel like, put up 11 homers and five steals in 67 games. Uh, sneakily did very well there, 237, 339, 470 slash line. The excitement is bubbling, but at 160, Bo Naylor is affordable. Is he ready for a big breakout? Where do you stand on Bo Naylor this year? I hate to say it, um, but uh, I felt better before. Uh, who did they sign? Was it uh, was it Hedges or was it um, um, Hedges? I think went somewhere. Zunino. Hedges is who they used um, to have. No, it was Hedges. No, no, you were right. They got yeah, Hedges back because yeah. he was with Texas last year. Yep, you're right. You're right. And I I, I felt really really good about Bo Naylor. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a Bo Naylor breakout. And then they bring in Austin Hedges, and I know a lot of people would be like. But it's Austin Hedges. Austin Hedges is a premier defender, and the Guardians for years have just put in the best They're defender behind the plate. Including Hedges. Including Two Hedges. Two years with Hedges. And so, like, for me, as much as I want to believe that Naylor is the guy, and I do think he's the guy, mm -hmm. I think this is a bigger timeshare than other people do. And I, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. I, I just can't see where the volume comes from. Uh, and, and I, Steamer agrees. They got him for 91 games, 367 plate appearances. They also share some concerns here. Like spot on. That's just yeah. spot on. So um, it's a bummer. I'm sorry, but like you, like you should be passing up Naylor for all of these guys we've talked about, even the ones I don't necessarily like. Um, and for the vast majority of the next year that we're going to talk Absolutely. about Thursday. Like he's good, mm -hmm. but like his price is too high with this concern from Hedges. And we are in lockstep there that you can laugh at Hedges' bat all you want. Teams play him, and Cleveland specifically has shown a penchant for giving him 300 plus plate appearances with a 40 WRC plus. What, so, is, what is Cleveland known for? Just generally being stupid. No, no, pitching. pitching. And yes. they're in part known for pitching because they put really good catchers behind the plate. And Austin Hedges is a really good catcher. Yep. No, I think that that makes, uh, that makes a great sense there. Um, it is unfortunate for Naylor's outlook, but it's just the truth. And that's why you should probably pass him because there's too many other guys going in a similar or cheaper range. You're telling me I can get Jonah Heim cheaper? We're going to talk about him on Thursday. I bet Ruiz. Like Ruiz, absolutely. And then the guy we're going to end with here, Shea Langlers, who we already hinted at, is yep. kind of in that Raleigh Alvarez if it's the um, the Goldilocks, you know, too yep. hot, ju just right, too cold. Um, I think you could put Langlers, even though he's the cheapest, he could be in that just right. That might be like the yep. right price point to just say, if I want this all or nothing power. Now, the big difference that he has between Alvarez and Raleigh is even if he hits the bombs, he's going to have like 32 runs batted in. So that's why he is that cheap. Yeah. But 
is it not still worth it at pick 242? He went 22-63 last year with a 205 average. I think Langoliers has a 30-homer season in his bat. I don't know if it's this year or not, but I think he's got 30 taters. What do you think of Langoliers at 242? I completely agree with you. And the only the only thing I'm going to, you know, kind of not disagree because I don't I think you, you're the one who mentioned this, um, but just kind of reinforce is if you take a guy like Shay Langoliers, be smart about the other guys you take from bad teams. Like absolutely because there's nothing worse than being like, man, I am leading my league in home runs and I am seventh yeah. in RBIs. Like <laughs> solos galore. Yeah, because you just drafted a bunch of guys on bad teams that are really good um, or he can hit for power, but they've got nobody else you can get on base around them. So exactly. Up full of shots. So um, I know I like, I like Langoliers a lot. There's a bunch of power in the bat. I do think that there could be a 30 home run season at some point. Um, and he is one of my fallback options uh, at catcher when, you know, either I choose not to go after an early one or uh, I miss out on it. Yeah. Yeah. The draft just kind of doesn't fall where you're where you want and you have to get, quote unquote, stuck with Langoliers. I'm fine with that. But I agree. Plan around him. Make sure your runs and ribbies are covered elsewhere um, and your batting average, of course. But yeah, for me, he kind of cancels out Francisco Alvarez completely. I do think Raleigh is a little bit of a cut above. Again, I've been sold on him by commenters and, and yourself like saying, hey, don't be so hard on him. But uh, with Alvarez, I'm just going to take the 100-pick discount, even though Alvarez is on yeah. a way better team. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, okay, there we go. There's our first, what's that, uh, 6, 10, 14 catchers off the board. We've got some interest in pretty much all of them. It just depends on the price and how the draft is falling. And we've got so many more on Thursday that we're both going to be pretty keen on uh, to mm -hmm. discuss, including Jonah Heim kicking off the steady investments. But, Justin, you got a chat to get to. It was great talking with you. I'll talk to you on Thursday and we'll finish up catchers. How about that? Sounds great. Take it easy. Peace.